man, when I was doing work with McDonald's people for about 10 years, <laughs> I was the guy in the room who would say, so they would have these very complicated plans for the region, 500 restaurants. We were going to do this, 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 and this. I said, what if you guys just focus on doing one thing really, really well as a region? <laughs> and the one guy in the room said, he goes, you almost gave me a heart attack there. I almost had the big one right there on the ground. <laughs> and uh, he goes, well, why do you keep pushing us to do fewer things? And I said, because if you do fewer things incredibly well, that's when you will really get more recognition than doing, you know, 20 things with a teeny tiny little bit of an improvement. It's episode 13 of Managing the Way with Dan Coglin. Um, he's a coach out of St. Louis, and I loved this whole interview was pretty much quotable, but um, he had some really important things to say, but I loved his concept of just saying no to things. Um, in a world where we feel like we have to keep up with the Joneses, fear of missing out, all of that, um, he finds a lot of success with his clients of just telling them to say no. And so let's jump into the interview with Dan and hear what he has to say. Well, today on the show, I have Dan Coglin, um, who's in, from the St. Louis area, and he coaches businesses, um, business executives towards generating sustainable, profitable growth. So welcome to the show, Dan. Hey, thanks for having me, Michael. Well, Dan, you know, I always ask uh, everyone, like, how did you get into this line of work? And so if you could give me the, you know, 30 second to two minute overview of how you landed at where you're at. Uh, my degree was in engineering. I became a college soccer coach. I was a high school soccer coach, a high school math teacher. And then I left that world to, well, actually, I was still in that world. And what happened was I put a workshop on on leadership for a local McDonald's corporate group. Uh, so it wasn't the owner operators or the people that work in the restaurants. It was a, a people that work for the corporation. Mm. And the person who hired me couldn't make it. He was already promoted to Oak Brook. So I went up to Oak Brook and I went over the workshop material with him. And at the end of that, he said, Dan, will you be my coach? And I said, I would be glad to be your coach. What's a coach? And so I had <laughs> never heard of executive coaching, but that was how it all started. And it, that has been my main line of work for the last 22 years now. Um, I started with him in August of, 2000, of 1997, quit teaching in January of 1998, and then the last almost 22 years now full-time, coaching has been probably my absolute main activity. So that's pretty phenomenal, um, just that transition. But how would you say, I mean, you're a coach, you coached a, you said a soccer team, is that correct? I was a head college soccer coach for five years soccer and assistant coach. high school coach for five years. Yeah. So tell me about the, the, the transfer of, um, you know, similarities there because, you know, it's, you're coaching uh, soccer uh, players, you know, and then going to coaching executives. I had imagined similar core principles, you know, first principles at work there. Can you talk a little bit about kind of what you learned there, how you transferred that skill? Well, when I was a junior in college, uh, somebody said to me, what do you want to do for a living? And my degree was in engineering, but I said to the person, what I really want to do is I want to work with other people to help them achieve whatever they want to achieve. And the person kind of looked at me and smiled and laughed and then walked away. And he said, good luck with that. And it was sort of this, you know, a very idealistic way of looking at your career. But that's really the only thing I've ever done is everything I've ever done for 20 or uh, for 34 years now has been to work with other people to achieve whatever they want to achieve. So I was soccer, I was teaching math, 
I actually was a headhunter for 100 days because I had this idea in my mind that I was helping people find a job, but it really was not at all for me. Uh, so when I work with an executive, I mean, it's, it's, I've never worked for a business. I was not a business student. Um, but the couple of things that I bring to the party are, one is I care enormously about the other person's success. Mm -hmm. So after, right from the very beginning, right from the very first 1997, after the conversation, I typed up a two to three page letter, sent it to him with my advice. And I've been doing that ever since. I've had about, I've had a little over 4,000 coaching sessions now with about 260 executives, about 40 different industries. And it really hasn't changed all that much in all these years. I, I listen, I ask questions, I offer my suggestions, I type it all up and I send it to them. And then we talk again about two weeks later and we do it all over again. Mm -hmm. What's the frequency you're typically meeting with people at? Yeah, I mean, I guess two weeks. I mean, there's some people I talk with every week, some people every three weeks, but I guess it, uh, it averages around every two weeks. Okay. Uh, the more we talk, I think the better it goes. Because we just pick it up and keep right on going. There is no template. There is no, I mean, I call it blank page consulting. Everybody I work with, I start with the same questions. You know, what are you trying to achieve? And then that could be in so many different directions because it's not only in about 40 to 50 different industries, but I've worked with people in every, you know, CEO, COO, CFOs, directors, uh, sales, operations, HR, business research, marketing. So it's not at all that I'm a functional expert and I'm not an industry expert, but I do have an ability to work with people. To, I call it being a thinking partner. There was a woman I coached about 15 years ago, oh gosh, probably more than 15 years ago. And she was a uh, multi-department head for McDonald's. And then she became a regional director of operations. So she was over about, let's just say 3,000 McDonald's restaurants as the director of operations. And uh, we were working and she said, you know, Dan, I think of you as my thinking partner. You know, we talk, we exchange ideas, and then I move back into action. I always thought that was the best description of what I do. <laughs> and so, so you probably like, I mean, people see you as kind of almost like a shrink too, right? <laughs> they're, saying, they're sharing with you what their desires are. You probably have them on a couch, right? You know, <laughs> or is that no, not I right? I never do that. No. <laughs> uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people have said that. They'll get to the end and they'll say, you know, you're like my therapist. And to be honest, I've never, I don't, I've never studied to be a therapist. I don't really know what therapists do. So I guess it's possible. But mostly what I do is I, I listen and I ask questions. I offer some insights. And then, you know, after you do this with a couple hundred people, mm -hmm. you have similar situations from other people. And then you offer what worked and what didn't work. Uh, yeah, I think we think together. We, we talk it out. I write my notes. They write me back. We talk again. You know, it's like a really good, uh, you know, the kind of, conversations you have with a really good friend. Mm. So what do you feel like the hurdles? I'm curious, what are the commonalities that you see that are like, what are the mental blockers that people are able to get over in just verbally processing or bouncing it off of you and seeing it from a different perspective? I'm, I imagine those are all the things that are taking place, but what are the, what are the common hurdles that you see that people that kind of come up time and time again, you might navigate them differently, but there's, they're the same core issue. If any, I don't, I don't know. Well, there's a couple, I mean, there's a couple big ones. I mean, the topics we get into are just a huge range 
from personnel decisions to speech making to strategic decisions to tactical planning. I mean, it's just branding innovation. We cover the whole gamut. But uh, what are some of the common hurdles? Well, one is I think people feel they have to work too much and they do work too much. And so many, many times I've said to people, what's the maximum number of hours you want to work in a week? It's not that they're not working enough, it's that they're working too much. And so let's just say they say 50 hours. I say, okay, so I want you to pretend you only get 50 hours. That's it. Once you use them up in that week, then you're done. You can't go anymore. So a lot of times in the first week, they're done by like Wednesday afternoon. And they're like, I don't know what to do. I still have work I got to get done, but I've already used up my 50 hours. I'm like, you don't get any more. So next week, what are you going to do differently? Well, once you go through that a couple times, it, it has a dramatic impact on how people use their time. They're much, much more careful about where they put their time, how much time they give to things. So this thing about preserving your time is a huge topic for with almost everybody I work with. Uh, so that's an important one. Um, you know, the other ones are mainly around what people think they're capable of doing. Like I worked with this one person who said, you know, I don't know if I'm capable of being a COO. I've never been a COO before. And I said, trust me, you are definitely capable enough of being an effective COO. And it was just a matter of breaking it down. You know, what's your role? What's your responsibility? What are you going to do to make it happen? How are you going to protect your time? How are you going to interact with other people? I mean, you just, like soccer, for example, or basketball or any sport, you know, there's certain skills. There's dribbling, passing, shooting, receiving, throwing. There's, there's skills. Well, in being an effective executive, there's also skills. You know, you have to be able to speak with a group. You have to be able to speak with people one-on-one. -on -one. You have to be able to keep things confidential. You have to be able to think strategically. You got to get stuff done. I mean, there's a lot of skills, lots and lots of skills. And so you just focus on skill development. And then you, two weeks later, you talk to them again. And two weeks later, and you stay focused on a topic. Here's another challenge that people run into. They allow themselves to focus on too many things at once, and then they're not very effective or anywhere near as effective as they could be at any one of them. So I try to help them stay focused. So no, no, we're talking about this. No, we're not talking about that. We're talking about this. And the ability to say no is another huge one that people really need to work on is they say yes to too many things. So those are, you know, I could go on, but there's, there's a definite number of, there's definitely common denominators that people run into. And do you feel like those, um, how have they solved that before or tried to solve that before, would you say? Like some of those things that they're talking about, like have they tried solutions that haven't worked and then you're able to help them articulate it um, or force them in a, in a certain way? Because I imagine some of these are, you know, these executives, it's like they're, they're smart people and maybe they've tried different tactics. They've always come back to their old habits or, can you talk through that a little bit? Well, they are super smart people. They're way more, they're way, way smarter than I am. Um, so they're super smart. They're super hardworking. They're super successful. So what's the, what's the challenge? Mm -hmm. Well, we can get in our own way and that's a big part of it. So I had a call, coaching call this morning with a guy who's doing some really great innovative stuff, internet based and all this. And it was really, really neat but it's too complicated. It's way too complicated. So I said to him, what's the one thing that if somebody, you meet somebody, you give a presentation and you want them to do one thing on your website, what is that one thing? And then he, he had six answers. I said, I said, time out, stop, stop. 
your mind is so broad and so complex that you're not realizing how hard you're making it on the customer. Just have them click one thing. I mean, I, there's a lot of things about Steve Jobs I really do love. Uh, some of the stuff was not admirable, but some of it was amazing. But you know, he was the king of saying, look, the, uh, the iPod is gonna have a little circle and you're gonna have a little button and you're gonna push it and it's gonna work. And that's the way my mind works. I mean, when I was doing work with McDonald's people for about 10 years, <laughs> I was the guy in the room who would say, so they would have these very complicated plans for the region, 500 restaurants. We were going to do this, 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 and this. I said, what if you guys just focus on doing one thing really, really well as a region? <laughs> and the one guy in the room said, he goes, you almost gave me a heart attack there. I almost had the big one right there on the ground. <laughs> and uh, he goes, well, why do you keep pushing us to do fewer things? And I said, because if you do a fewer things incredibly well, that's when you will really get more recognition than doing, you know, 20 things with a teeny tiny little bit of an improvement. So I think what it is, is Michael, that people, all of us, I think we're taught when we were young, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. You say yes, say yes, say yes. And so people just keep saying yes to things and, I have, and I'm the one who says, it's okay to say no to things. You don't have to keep proving yourself by taking on, you know, coaching four youth uh, sports teams, being on the PTA, being on three local not-for-profit boards, and trying to run your own business. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. And that's, but that's only amplified in today's day and age where it's like there's this fear of missing out or comparison with others. I don't, I hate to just be the old guy that's, I mean, I'm not even that old. It's like, say, social media, you know, is to blame. But it's, I mean, you, you're able to see what, I, you, you, there's this perception that everyone else is doing that. So you have to keep up with them. My assumption anyways, or my experience, I should say. I think you're right. I mean, this whole thing about Facebook and you post every time you, you know, walk around the block and you, and you put it on Facebook or you, whatever, you Twitter about it or you or tweet about it and you Instagram about it. And it's just like, enough. You know, this is another challenge a lot of executives fall into is that I got to keep up with the Joneses mentality. And I tell them, you don't, you don't tell me what you want to achieve. Tell me why you want to achieve it. What are you going to do to achieve it? What are you going to stop doing? So you have the time and the energy to do what you said you were going to do. So I write that all down. I send it to them. And then two weeks later we talk and I say, well, how did you do? Well, I got a lot of my time eaten up on this thing and I ended up with all this. And then and I'm like, okay, time out. <laughs> You said this is what you were going to not do. So a lot of, a lot of the value of, of a coach is a mirror. You know, you hold a mirror up to somebody and you say, this is what you said and here's what you did. What's the problem here? And then they, you know, for two or three or four conversations, they're like, okay, I, gotta, I just got to stop doing that. So, and that's what ends up happening. Yeah. How do people find you, Dan? Like, how do you get your, your clients? I imagine it's a lot of word of mouth, but if you're thinking, if someone's feeling like they're stuck or they're, they're not doing all they could be doing in these important areas. So to say they have a top two or three things that they are not moving forward. Do you find that people, you know, reach out? Like what's the common path? If someone's listening to this and they're saying, yeah, I'm feeling stuck. I, you know, all that's that Dan's saying is resonating with me. They could contact you, but then what are, what are the ways that you found that people have come to you and what would you recommend well, to people? I, you know, you put value, you know, one of the great, probably the greatest idea that Alan Weiss gave to me years ago, 20 years ago, actually. I started working with him in August of 1999. 
And right from the very beginning, the very first phone call, he said, Dan, you sound like you write a lot of letters. I said, I write a ton of letters. He said, why don't you write articles? And then people can read them and they can find out about you. So that was in August of 1999. So since then, um, I have never missed a month. And now I write two articles a month. So I write about an 800 to 1200 word article every month for 20 years. So, you know, you have a great archive of articles. You have an electronic newsletter that goes out to about, uh, I have mine goes out to about 2,800 people, I think every couple of weeks. I mean, the great challenge with coaching from a business perspective is I'm spending, and every coach is, an enormous amount of time one-on-one -on -one with people. So versus um, like Seth Godin, for example, you know, he'll put on an internet seminar and 500 people will be there with him. And it's a video, I mean, it's excellent. It's an excellent thing that he does, but it's videotaped and you watch the videos and then you talk to each other. So he can do that. People that do work that I do one-on-one, -on -one, you could invest 4,000 hours and literally 200 people know who you are. Mm -hmm. So the way that most of my clients come is through, you know, referral. Somebody will refer me to someone and then that person, or they read an article sometimes and that'll generate a call or they'll hear me speak and that'll generate a coaching session. But that is the great challenge because it, even though you do a ton of the activity, there are really not that many people who know who you are. But that goes back to kind of your philosophy though, of like, what do you want to do? Right. It's like, you don't want to be Seth Godin. You know, if, if Dan's world is like, you can accomplish what you want to from an income standpoint, fulfillment standpoint, impact standpoint, then that's okay. And you shouldn't feel like you need to do more. Right. I mean, <laughs> I think you're totally right. I mean, I think you are right on. So you, so far we've been talking about advice for executives. I would say people that are interested in doing this kind of work, you know, independent contractor, um, you know, freelancer, whatever you want to call the people that do the kind of stuff that, that you and I do. Um, the biggest mistake I think that people in our field make is we also try to keep up with the Joneses or the Godens or the Weisses or whoever, and we don't have to. What I do think we need to do is figure out what do we want our career to look like? What do we want our, how, you know, my thing back in 19, what was it? I was, so I was a junior in 1983. So that was 36 years ago. So my thing was, I want to help other people achieve whatever they want to achieve. Well, I've done that. You know, I fulfilled that purpose and I continue to fulfill it. So, you know, I don't have to be somebody else to feel like I have fulfilled that purpose. Yeah. Well, how do people get in touch with you, Dan? Uh, you can, you know, you can email me, dan at the coglincompany.com. Uh, you can go to LinkedIn, pretty active on LinkedIn now with articles and ideas and so on. Uh, so for sure they can do that. That's probably the easiest way. Yeah. And that's C-O-U-G-H-L-I-N, Coughlin. Right. So the email yeah. address is dan at T-H-E and then my last name C-O-U-G-H-L-I-N and then C-O-M-P-A-N-Y. Dot com. Gotcha. Well, thanks for being on. I appreciate it, Dan. And thanks for the wisdom. I think, uh, I think there's a lot of nuggets in there that people could take away and, and take action on. I hope so. Hope it was useful. Yeah. Thanks.